Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Let's turn it up. Here we go. All right, folks, how is everybody's week going so far? You guys doing all right out there in podcast land? I know I'm doing okay. Just got back from a a little social event around my son starting kindergarten next week. A lot of emotions, I got to be honest. It's so messed up in my head that I have a kindergarten. And I know as the man, I'm not supposed to have emotions and I have to suppress them and hide that sort of stuff, but... It's weird. It's real weird. Quoting a little Bill Hicks there with my... So, So today's episode. Guess what? I've got a great conversation. And I'm excited to share it. So, in my conversation, um, uh, excuse me, in my interview, I talked to Anthony Oslin from the product Mammoth Bar. And they're... Kickstarter campaign currently going. I think they got a couple weeks left. Um, had a ten thousand dollar goal, and they're at thirty five thousand dollars with four hundred and fifty backers. And the Mammoth Bar is so their slogan is the cleanest bar on planet Earth. So you know they they took a product and they jumped into a heavily populated um, arena uh, of energy bars and granola bars, and but they did something different. They went and they truly, truly did an all-natural bar. And we got into the conversation of sustainability on this product and scale and what it's taken them to get a product launched on Kickstarter. And the other thing that, to me, is one of the intriguing things about this interview is you, you don't see very many food products launched through crowdfunding. So I really, really was encouraged to have a conversation with him. In fact, so much so that I... I have a client that kind of floats around me that has a boot, um, like a uh, um, a boutique nut that is all natural, and you know, it's like a ten dollar bag of nuts, right? So definitely a niche, but a very very high end product. And um, I, I, you know, so I sent I sent this uh, campaign over to uh, Darren's name, and I was like, dude, you got to check this out. This is a great great roadmap. So that conversation's uh, coming up a little bit later. So we've got a couple new things going on. Yeah, yeah, what should agency does? So first thing is, everybody who subscribed to the podcast, thank you. We are moving up the charts. So as long as we keep doing good interviews and we keep getting good conversations going, I think we're going to get up in that new and noteworthy thing. Um, so, But if you are not subscribed, please subscribe. Um, it helps me out a ton. Um, you know, Go to iTunes, subscribe from there, or, or subscribe to my RSS feed. Uh, through the website, and and you know check these things out. Like I said, I try to put them out Monday and Thursdays um, is when I when I try to put out these co- conversations. And I, I encourage you guys, please download them. It's going to help out immensely. So that's the first thing. Second new thing is we have a new crowdfunding community on Slack. And if you're interested in invite, all you have to do is go to the website, look up in the top right corner, and it says join the community. Click on that button. You're going to get it. Um, you just got to put your email in, and you'll get prompted to sign up for our Slack channel. So what's going on there? 
deep, deep conversation about not only crowdfunding, but the tools that my agency uses, um, the tools I use personally, um, you know, data points from all the campaigns we run, the newest trends. So if you go on there right now, you'd, you'd see a great post um, from Paul Luan, my business partner, about the status of Twitter and how crowdfunding really, really, truly tells you that Twitter is dead because Twitter brought us nothing in our last campaign. So, so if you if, if you want to sign up for that, like I said, go to the website, click on it, you know, join the community, and you'll get prompted to sign up. So those are the two things still that I want everybody to hopefully do: join the community, listen to the podcast. Those those are going to be huge things. So back to just kind of this overwhelmingness of, 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 you know, this, this next stage of my life. The other, you know, thing is being the sort of entrepreneur that I am, I've, I've worked a lot from home and I have been, you know, uh, basically the, you know, I've been with my kids, I'm with my kids every day and starting next week, you know, my son, my son out five days a week, you know, it's new. And my daughter's going to be in pre you know, uh, in a preschool for three to four days a week. So, I kind of got to find something to do. What am I going to do? You know, maybe set up more emails and bug people. I'm not sure, but man, it, it is. It's 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 definitely a emotional roller coaster over here in Camp Wenzelland as we just get ready to start moving into these next stages. So yesterday I had a very very weird day um, with my health, and yeah, we, we we had a new grocery store open up here recently. Uh, it's called Fresh Time. And they've got a special right now on this certain type of wine. I think it's called like Jargon or something. I don't know. A red Pinot Noir. I like those. And uh, Monday night I had a glass. And when I say a glass, I'm talking about, you know, not a large glass, maybe a six ounce pour of of wine. And I woke up in the middle of the night with just like literally what felt like a lightning bolt going up and down my head where it's just like had this huge, huge, gigantic headache. And to combat that, I took some, the wrong freaking pain medication that had some caffeine in it, and it just kept me up, and I probably literally slept an hour and a half, two hours, you know. So that was Monday night. Following morning, I get up, I'm just droggy uh, since Tuesday morning, and I, and I got Bikram yoga. So I go over to, you know, yoga, and we had one of the notorious harder teachers, and, and I, you know, I haven't been there in a couple weeks with just life, you know, so trying to get back in the, in the mojo and I'm just, you know, I basically kick ass on the first like five postures, just boom, you know, I get a little compliment, you know, nice job, Jeff, you're half, half moon pose guy. It's like, yeah, 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 I am. So, you know, all of a sudden in about posture six, maybe seven, I go into a dizzy spell. Like it felt like vertigo and my head, my brain felt like it was on the outside of my head. It was squeezing against it so hard. I've never, I had to sit down for like 20 minutes of the class in the beginning standing pose series because I literally was like a second away from puking, a second away from passing out. And then what the other weird thing that was like, was like feeling like was happening was, is a wave of emotions. It was like, weeks of stress like was running down me and I don't know how to describe it besides this like you know tingly you know feeling the blood flow and I don't know if it's because I pushed it so hard in the first few uh poses or whatever it is 
but it was so overwhelming. And it, I wouldn't say an out of body experience or anything like that, but it was just crazy, crazy, crazy feelings. And it rocked me all the way into like the sitting poses. And if you don't know some of these poses, you have a standing and then you have a, where you lay down for the rest of it. And I did okay in the rest of it. But I'm telling you, when I got out of there, I have never felt this drained from a class. And I just did an hour and a half class, but I've, ne- I've just never felt. And so, you know, so I'm like, man, what was that? That was just really weird, right? So to test it, last uh, Tuesday, you know, last night I go out and we, we, you know, get another of the same bottle. Drink a, maybe a five ounce pour, not a big glass of wine. Just kind of chilling as I'm watching a little TV before bed. Instantly, same experience happens. All day today, monster, I wouldn't call it a migraine because I was functioning, but a huge, huge headache just running down my, so I don't know if anybody else is out there, you know, I definitely wasn't drunk, but is there something in certain types of wine that can make you have a reaction like this? Like, I have no idea. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm no like monster expert on it or anything like that, you know, uh, of, of wine, but man, was it just excruciating head pains. And it, every time I bend over, if I bend over, it felt like all the blood just was, was going to get ready to come out of my ears. It was like, it would just gush to my head. So that was all day today. And I, I am definitely not touching that wine tonight before bed. I am going to bed without anything in the system uh, because guess where I got to be tomorrow morning? Right back at Bikram to, uh, some, to kick some butt. So, but I'm going to give one more thing that's going on. So I know this is probably a little bit of a longer intro before we get into my conversation with Anthony from Mammoth Bar. But every time that we move into into fall type of, you know, windows have been open here at the house, my, you know, my time in music as, you know, as being a, a writer in the Sugar People and a, a creator, a songwriter, I go back to my catalog. And for some reason, all these emotions start coming up through me. Obviously, I'm, I'm an emotional dude. You guys must get that on the podcast because I'm always talking about something. I'm either crying in a kindergarten, you know, social, or I'm, you know, listening to my, you know, music that I've worked on with singers, that, you know, whatever. I just get emotional. But, but, but these songs start to resonate. It's like the beats start feeling differently. The lyrics start feeling differently. Um, you know, there's songs out there like called Scars Unseen and Lucky, um, Cowboy, Sunday. These songs just start taking on new meaning to me whenever you start feeling that, that, that weather change. So I, I, I deep something I, I've created and you're going to start seeing some Facebook ads and I'm going to start publicizing this for the next couple months here is I'm re-releasing uh, what I call the sugar roses collection, which is 37 songs that I worked on with my team for about a 10 year span. So let me, let me give you a little more backstory. I did something back around 2005-ish to 2006-ish, maybe even 2007, maybe 2005 to 2007, somewhere in that that time span, definitely over a year and a half or so, um, where I stumbled upon crowdfunding before crowdfunding existed. And what I did was, is I set up a P.O. box, and at the time, the Sugar People had a very big MySpace community, and I know, what the, what, what does that mean, you know, but we had a ton of attraction going on lots of stuff going on through myspace at the time and i basically went out and i said hey if you send me a dollar four quarters and a handwritten letter i'll send you all my tracks and at that time it was 37 40 songs right you get you you give me your email address i'm going to give you a a link and you're going to get my music and the the energy was overwhelming 
Um, so there's a video I just I, I'll be posting in a couple days here where I actually show you a bunch of the handwritten letters that came in. Um, you can actually see videos of me talking in the car um, back in the day. And again, you got to remember 2006, 2007. This is before Facebook. This is before a lot of these tools that we all use. Um, that, you know, so I had at the time just under 6,000 people send me, you know, four quarters, letters, their own versions of artwork, truly participating in a movement to get the music. So to honor that, I'm kind of asking a question out there. What is a dollar worth anymore? You know, if you go get coffee at Starbucks, boom, throw a dollar. I, I, I got some Chinese food the other night, boom, threw a dollar in the tip thing. I don't even think about it. I, I drove and picked up the food. What do they do? They put it in a plastic bag. Why did I give them a dollar? I don't know. It's the culture we live in. So what, you know, so then you have the devaluation that's been going on for music for, I don't even know, 10 years now, whatever it's been. I mean, it's a joke, really. Spotify, all that stuff's a joke. So I'm sitting here and I, I, I never publicly released a lot of music, you know, I don't because I didn't, at the time it was changing so much. iPods and, and iTunes, it, it was just a mess, right? It was just a mess at the time, it felt like. So I, I sat on some songs. So, so to honor this old idea, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it up there. It's going to be on the website. It's going to be on our Facebook, Twitter. It's all coming this week. And I hope you guys check it out. But for a dollar, you're going to be getting high versions of, of my work. And I'm, I really want to see if I can, if people will trade a dollar for 10 years of my work, right? A dollar, dollar that you, th there's probably a dollar in your, your, your coin, you know, or in your couch of coins. So there's probably a dollar in your sofa, right? Or your, your lazy boy. And, I just want to see if if this idea still stands. And I, you know, I was talking to Paul about this business partner, Paul from Woodshed Agency, and I wonder how much the handwritten letter thing really played into it because there was so much emotional in the, emotion in these letters. Um, there's not enough time in the world to kind of go through them and discuss them, but it, to see somebody handwrite out a letter, just put a dollar in. Some people put five. Some people put twenty dollars. And people. We're very genuine, genuine with, with this whole experiment, and it just it just blew me away. Some of the artwork, and I saved as much as I could from back in the day. I had it in a, um, I had it in like you know I have it. In, I still have it in a safe that I hold on to because it meant the world to me. And it probably outside of auto shows and commercials we did, and and um, uh, and a Best Buy release, it probably was the most impactful thing for myself to get the music personally to people and, um, you know, and, and, and for people to really connect with it on a level that definitely doesn't exist now, but, but just kind of standing back on it, you know, it really was crowdfunding before crowdfunding or Kickstarter, Indiegogo. None of this stuff was in anybody's vocabulary. So I strongly recommend follow us. You know, you're going to be getting some stuff in newsletters, all that stuff's gonna be coming out. Cause I, I I'm still I'm so proud of the work that I did for those ten years, and and the music was good. So, all right, I'm taking up a lot of time rambling about a lot of stuff that's been going on this week. Um, uh, just a lot of stuff, right? A lot of stuff. So I'm kind of taking some deep breaths today and tomorrow, and uh, gonna hit it back uh, this weekend. Just kind of getting it going. But but so let's get back to why we're all on this. Why we're listening to this podcast? Uh, talking to Anthony. Anthony's going to break down how he is bringing a clean, um, pro, you know, a clean, you know, I don't know if I'd call it, just a clean 
bar that you know that's uh, perishable. You got to keep it in the fridge. All, all great ingredients. When you look, read the back of it, and by the way, real quick, Anthony sent me a box that I got today. So uh, I'll be eating a coconut bar of his in a little bit. Um, you know, with an awesome handwritten letter. And Anthony, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, um, you know, I'm just I'm just overwhelmed by by this guy's mindset and how he is thinking about bringing these sort of food products and the fact that when you flip the bar over, you can read every ingredient. I know what it is. My kids know what the ingredients are, right? They get it, and it's that simple. So, all right, enough of me. Let's kick it over to my conversation. Jeff. Hey, this is, is this Anthony. Yes. How are you, man? Good. Uh, am I coming in okay? Can you yeah. hear me? No, you sound great to me. Yeah. Thanks, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, well thanks. Nice yeah, thanks for taking some time to talk. Appreciate it. Oh, of course. Awesome. So you're doing quite well in your crowdfunding campaign. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're pretty excited about that, obviously. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. And you've got some time to go. So I'm sure you guys are coming up with some new strategies to, uh, to raise some more money. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, why don't we just kick it right off and uh, tell me a little bit about the product and where the idea came from. Uh, great. Yeah. So the, the product is it's called Mammoth Bar. Um, we're a raw food bar. And our call to action is the cleanest bar on the planet. And so I think our motivation with so many products out there was that if we were going to grab the attention of the consumer, we want to you know, really simplify things. And I think you're starting to see that trend happen more as people have better access to getting information, then they're trying to ask more questions about, you know, all of these funny terms they may or may not be able to pronounce or preservatives and right. food right. sourcing. So we're like, okay, like, you know, does that product exist um, with that on the go snack? And we couldn't find one that we were satisfied with. So um, my business partner, a guy named uh, Mike Winchell, he and I met in college and I grew up uh, working at a family restaurant, so I've always enjoyed being in the kitchen. And uh, we had both kind of discovered the whole paleo craze, you know, um, guilty as charged, definitely drink the Kool-Aid for paleo <laughs> craze. And um, so we were like, okay, the simpler eating, I get that. That makes sense. And um, we started just making stuff for ourselves, and it started to taste good. And we were like, is there something here? And my business partner is the, you know, economics business background. And I have more kind of like the, the sales marketing background. And, uh, we kind of just went for it and we just started, you know, it was a, a long process of just making the, um, the recipe over and over and over again and t taste testing with friends and getting feedback 
And then you just kind of as slowly as possible kind of taking opportunities or testing things. I think a lot of mistakes, you know, and also picking up every book we possibly could. Mm. Uh, picking up all of like, you know, your uh, kind bar, the, you know, raising the bar, cliff bar book. It was just a lot of awesome things out there to get a, a advice from. And, um, and uh, that was the advice we got was just don't always take an opportunity just because it's there. You know, it's a big mistake, I think, for startup companies is they grow too fast and then they're bankrupt. Or they can't meet the expectation. Right. So is this, in terms of the company, is this kind of the first product that you're pub, you know, publicly bringing yes. out to market? And that's the yes. four bars right now, right, that, that you have? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So our, our company name is yeah, All Things Paleo and the Mammoth Bar is our first product. That's cool. That's very cool. So, yeah, so this one, uh, I'll be frank, th this conversation I'm intrigued on, I, at about, about a month ago, switched my family to all a Whole Foods diet. Uh, I, I just, I, I have hit the wall with processed shit in a nutshell, right? Like, what, <laughs> right on. you know, what am I eating? And, and then also kind of stemming from watching my dad's health, just, my dad's never ate a vegetable his entire life, and he's paying for it, and he's like 62, right? So right. just like this sort of like, you know, really, really taking the impact of what food is doing to us, right? And, and that's why I, I loved, as soon as I found, you know, kind of found you guys on the projects we love and started to reach out, I was like, I want to talk to you guys. I want to know, you know, is there stories behind the scenes? You know, obviously you working in the restaurant, but just really understanding what food is doing to us, you know? Uh, yeah, great. I mean, yeah, to piggyback on that, um, you're absolutely right, man. I think, um, so my business partner was a vegan for about three years, uh, believe it or not. And he, um, just wasn't feeling very good. And I gave him a book to read called the paleo solution by Rob Wolf. And we appreciated how candid it was. It wasn't very preachy. It was just like, look, try it on for 30 days. See how you feel. Right. And it was coming back to the whole foods concept. And he introduced protein and animal meat back into his body. And you do the research, you start re realizing all of these naturally occurring, you know, minerals and, and things that your body is craving and it needs to function. And, the bottom line is the less gunk you can put in there for your body to process, the the better it can get what it needs and take it where it needs to go. So then it's it's curing itself. It's yeah. not having a struggle with battling disease and other things as much. Yeah, it's funny you mention that. My wife is the vegan in my family. Okay. And, and she's <laughs> okay. the one who is always complaining about stuff. And not ripping on her because I'm sure she'll listen to this. <laughs> yeah, careful. But her, yeah. She, would, she would be, I think she'd admit some of this stuff where joints are, are hurting or, and I'm like, you know, I'm telling you, I think it's diet. I understand you want to be a vegan, but we have to find other solutions to get, you know, protein source or whatever it might be that your body's probably out there telling you if you just listen, listen to the body, you right. know? And so we're, that, that's, again, that's also stemming from this, like, well, what can we start finding in terms of nuts, in terms of couscous or quinoas or whatever, you know, lentils, beans, just trying to find all these sort of substitutes that, that still kind of fits under this. And then also watching, I have a, a five and a three-year-old you know, I'm watching them eat mac and cheese every day, and I'm like, "This has to, we have to stop this. Like, your taste oh. buds are not understanding, you know, you can't eat crackers well, all day. You know? Let me ask you, like, as a parent, like, um, one thing that I've observed, you know, so I'm also, I moonlight as a, um, uh, a fitness trainer at a, a gym here in town, mm -hmm. and so we always have, like, nutrition consultations, the first thing, and I talk to parents about how hard it is for them to pursue like a more whole foods diet, yeah. and they've got the kids running around craving the mac and cheese and the pizza, yeah. And they said, yeah, yeah, but right now their bodies can deal with that. And then when they get older, we'll tighten it up. And I'm always curious as a parent, like, how do you balance that out? Well, like you, them being a kid, but then also. I'm freaking okay. out on it. I'm freaking out on it right now, <laughs> frankly, because 
what I'm watching is, is I'm like, these are the habits that I had. You know, I ate pop tarts yeah. when I was younger. My dad had pop tarts, so it it's it's a it's it's wrong. The, what I'm you know what I'm fighting? I'm fighting marketing. I'm fighting right. a character on everything. So if I bring right. the kids to a grocery store, they, you know. I'm intrigued to show them your product with the with the um, uh, mammoth, the mammoth, yeah. right? Because you know they would probably be like, "Oh, cool, an elephant, like Ice Age." I'll eat that, <laughs> you know. But 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 what I what I'm finding is so you know we're only a month into this. So like tonight, I'm going to make a burrito, all you know, or you know, whole grain burrito. They won't like it. They want the beans out of the can as opposed to the beans I have and I've been soaking. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it's their it's their taste buds don't even know what good food is you know right and that's so that's that like what man it's like all right i gotta i gotta start pivoting this i gotta change you know so uh yeah no, totally so, well now so then you're seeing like cereals and the beans being used as like the wards and snacks yeah. and desserts now right versus right. the breakfast so <laughs> it's just it's it's a never-ending battle so so let's talk a little bit about just kind of your company itself um you clearly didn't just make a bar in a kitchen and then all of a sudden um, you know, start putting it in a package and go. So, you know, it, what, what's kind of the steps it took to, you know, outside of obviously getting the recipes ready to go and, and how did you get this to a point where you are even right now before the Kickstarter? Yeah, great. Um, so, uh, 2013 is when we formed and started to mess around with the idea and what kind of, um, I think propelled the idea uh, faster was, um, uh, in California, they passed a law called the cottage food license and it allowed makers to, uh, produce and sell food out of their own home kitchen. So they would send someone to come inspect. So that, um, that was a, a way smaller investment for us to start testing the recipe versus having to take a bigger investment, which a lot of, I think, startup companies have to do, which is immediately going into a commercial kitchen yeah, or a shared kitchen. That, that, that was a question I had wrote down because I have con consulted a few food companies. I, I got a nut company here I consult with. And I was like, how do yeah. you guys do this without... There has to be some major funding behind you to some degree. So right. I'm, I'm intrigued on this California law because I've never heard the act, whatever you want to call it. I haven't heard anything yeah. like this. You know? Yeah, so the Cottage Food Act or license, so yeah, the Cottage Food Act of California, and um, I'm guessing state by state, clearly, yep. you know, do or don't have that law. And uh, so check that out. Yep. Um, where are you again? Where are you I'm, located? I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in Detroit. Cool. Yeah. yeah okay. We, we don't have and, this here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not yet. Not, not yet. yet, man. Yeah, not yet. Oh, oh. It's always not yet. Um, <laughs> I've heard it before, right? The um, I, so the 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 thing that we always had top of mind was trying to minimize the risk, and so that um, allowed us to pursue the idea, and we were able to kind of you're making the bar out of the kitchen. Um, next thing we did was we wanted to find a mentor, and so we kind of um, we we're very lucky, and in Northern California, there's a lot of this small batch home kind of more like if you call it your I don't know. I guess, yeah, the small batch movement um, yeah. of, of products you're seeing. So we, we found some people that were four years, a couple years ahead of us, and th very lucky that we could sit down and they kind of open up the playbook and they said, look, you know, here's where we wasted money and we sh shouldn't have. And here was a step that we took. And here's one guy that will put you in touch with the right people for this. And now it was just following clues and making the phone calls. And so, uh, as long as I think, as long as you know you're still excited about whatever it is you're doing, whether it's designing video games, socks, or bars, mm -hmm. you gotta, you know, you're more motivated to put out fires and solve right. the problems right. faster. You know, 
And so that was the ongoing thing was, okay, just keep making phone calls, keep meeting with people um, as you're forming this idea. And so we, we went, sorry, um, cut me off if I'm. No, 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 it's great. No, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Went from the, the home kitchen, um, you know, and so we just testing the bars, constantly taste testing and just getting feedback from any and everyone. So we're just talking about it, living the idea. And then we moved into our shared commercial space um, across the water in, in Berkeley, California. And what was what we learned at this step was that it was important that the kitchens had the certifications or had the same um, uh, like shared ingredients hmm. that your product was using. So if we we're claim, if we we're making claims on our bar, our equipment in the kitchen needed to also be only using those same claims. So if we're going to be gluten free, the equipment needs to be gluten free. So it's really that narrows down your options. Right. I guess uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. The larger producers uh, to cut down on cost are using kitchens that share a ton of different products. I mean, I've read stories about common products, food products, sharing soap dispensary factories, like things that you don't think about. Right. But I think people are starting to ask more questions about. Yeah. So. Yeah, went from there, um, and I think it was just how, okay, great. So now it was like, okay, what are we doing as a bar when there's 900 other bars out there? So how are we going to catch people's attention? And so it was like, we're just going to be the highest quality bar and just kind of test that as a market. So yes, there are, you know, uh, whole almonds, but, you know, Organic almonds are better. And then what's better than organic almonds is getting investing in the certification process, which is where a team comes out and inspects your production and facilities. Okay, great. You acquire that. And then what's better than almonds? It's the sprouted almond, right? So this is easier to digest, doesn't leave you as gassy, and it's more nutritious. So we kind of just kept working backwards. Like what, what would it take to make this super clean bar without anything? And then how do we form it? And is it cost effective and will people be willing to spend the extra quarter on that kind of a product? So, so it sounds like, I mean, you mentioned it just quickly there that you, you know, you had costs in mind, but it almost sounds like maybe cost wasn't in mind as you were making the perfect bar per se. Like, you know, yeah. like, like, you know, did cost kind of come in obviously later? Like, all right, you know, obviously we can't make a $35 one bar, you know, or whatever, but like. How yeah. how soon did you start like, you know? How quickly did you have to realize that that walking that fine line of, yes, we've made the greatest bar on the planet, but nobody will buy it, or you know, or whatever it might be. How did you walk that fine line? Oh, you're so yeah, great great point. Mm -hmm. The um right, you could have the best product, but if nobody wants to try it, it doesn't matter, right? And uh, and so we 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 knew that down the road we. Would ha we wouldn't be able to raise the price on the bar. We could only go down. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure that, okay, let's, let's start with the ingredients first, not the cost. Um, and what would it look like to have smaller margins? And yeah. what we found was that if we're able to turn over, you know, um, accounts more quickly versus having to sit on big accounts, then we could, we could benefit from smaller margins. And, down the road as we grow our costs will go down and then so the price of the bar will go down so we figured there was a bit of a of, of chance there okay cool like looking at you know industry averages right wanting to make sure that we're in the ballpark of that um who our competitors are and then kind of taking a risk and seeing what people would 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 kind of go for right 
Yeah. I bet that was an interesting formula to kind of look at. I'm What's sorry, that? I, I'm sure that was a kind of an interesting formula that you were probably well, yeah, looking I, at. I guess you, so. know. You, you definitely, you definitely want to get right. Um, you, you need to get at least a hundred percent markup on the product to account for, you know, everyone else is going to eventually come into play with brokers and those middlemen yeah. with the products. That that was all kind of new to us to understand. So that's why we think we we are benefiting from the smaller batch is everything's been direct to consumer. Yeah. So we can make a bar that does cost more because we're not having to include as many, you know, um, less, uh, less mouths to feed, so to speak, right. um, in the process. So, so I guess when you're kind of standing back on this, what does scale look like for you guys? Yeah, we, so we, I think to be competitive, it's less about getting that big national retailer or, or buyer. Mm-hmm. It's more about, um, a regional base. So I, I would see this market and this probably gonna be the future for a lot of small businesses is you attack a region, you have like your hub, your factory, so to speak, and then you have your foot soldiers, your salespeople that are going into all of these mom and pop shops and and meeting and introducing your product. And then you set up shop there and you might choose a backbone. You might choose one major retailer that you love and build a relationship, but you're not spreading yourself too thin um, or losing touch with someone if you're out of Detroit and you're trying to service an account in Florida, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, if I'm there on the on the ground in my region, I can focus there and then take that exact model, demonstrate that it's worked, and then either you find investors and you move that model to a new um, region. It could be in Austin, Texas, or the Northeast, or the Midwest, whatever it's going to be. Hmm. So are you guys envisioning... Yeah, and we'll get into maybe the campaign itself in a second here, the particular. But are you guys envisioning um, a subscription model for your product in general? Like, you know, I give you my forty bucks a month, or like, was it like a Birchbox type of vibe, or <laughs> is that what you guys are kind of envisioning at some point? Yeah, great question. We we have partnered with um, some you know snack box kind of places for people in the corporate world mm-hmm. to get exposure. But uh, through this campaign, we have la- launched a subscription option on our website. So we do want people to be able to save and invest in receiving one box a month for X number of months or for a year, cut down on their costs. And it's also out of sight, out of mind. Right. I think people are less likely to, to put something on a list and pick it up at the store versus now they'll just log on online or they'll search something on their phone. Like, Oh, I need a, you know, a new shirt or more of this. I'm just going to order it. So if we can be a bar company, um, that also provides that service for you just to order it directly and just have it shipped to your home. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's in our advantage. So, so I, I have a healthy amount of crowdfunding conversations, and you're one of my first projects I've ever seen with food. Did you guys have like a playbook to really look at for Kickstarter and food products? I, I just haven't seen very many out there that have been successful like this. Yeah, you know what? Um, not so much food. We. We found so just like when we were starting our business, we wanted to find a mentor and a product that was um, doing what we wanted to do, and we found that on Kickstarter. And uh, there's this product called Peak Design, and they make these awesome like backpacks and, and um, travel bags. And we liked the vibe; it was simple. We liked um, the owner. This is the hot, this is the hot new one that everybody's starting to study. I talked about this <laughs> yesterday with a uh, um, with a uh, a company making um, like a. Uh, an outdoor type cool blanket, right? That, 
you know, and they're trying to launch their products through Kickstarter. You know, so it's 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 an intriguing. This is the new. I think the new roadmap is that design that company that bag company. So sorry, sorry well, to cut you off, but it's it's great. Oh, you know? dude, yeah, no, come on in, yeah. And so it's it's. I think what that's what that's saying is that you um, you know, the Kickstarter itself. Yes, you're raising money, but more so. I think it's about getting the number of, of backers or people that you can get exposure to your products. So there's this, this fun catch-all place called Kickstarter that you're going to go check out, almost like like a new reality version where it's like, okay, I'm going to put money down on this product. I'm, I'm buying what they're what they're selling, and I want to help them grow and be a part of something. And that's what you're kind of selling. Um, what we studied was not necessarily food particularly. I guess the food items we did find were trying to dress up their their packages, so that, you know, there's different donation tiers with things that they weren't selling, like um, like swag, and and I for some people that could be fun, but from the research that we did, people are on there to buy your product, yep. and so how can you be creative about giving them um, those equal awards at the higher priced tiers? So mm-hmm. we did um, bring in the subscription uh, system there. And we, we just felt simpler was going to be better, you know, and it's like there's a right and a wrong way to enroll people in what you're trying to do. And we wanted to make sure that we were reach people the right way. And I think we were able to do that with the video. Yeah, no, the video I thought was excellent you guys did. And I, and I bet you I would I would imagine standing in the position that you guys are in right now is that 285, 285 backers, you know, those are people that could be clients for life, customers for life. You know, oh, yeah. turn into subscriptions down the road. They're probably, I guarantee you, telling their friends. Those are the people who are at a play date with a bunch of other kids and, hey, eat this bar and that bar is so good. You know, that's right. the power number is that you have people investing into you. You know, yeah. you know the dollar, yes, nobody's going to turn away the dollar, actual dollars. But I always love to get into these conversations where it's like really thinking about what you can do with that, you know, with basically 300 people right now who are into you, you know, yeah. like, that's a huge, that's huge for companies, you know? You're right. Yeah, you're, you hit it right on the nose. That's exactly where we want to be. You know, it's, um, yeah, smaller donations, more people. Again, you know, we are trying to raise money so we can grow more quickly and go walk into wholesalers more confidently. Um, but, man, to have more people on board, would be that's the best. Yeah, so let's talk about the goal amount. Like, like what is the ultimate um, goal that's coming off of this Kickstarter campaign? Because you can still make bars, right? So what, what happens uh, after this uh, after the Kickstarter campaign? So the ultimate goal, um, you mean like like monetary goal or for, just for, for this campaign um, particular? You know, you know what what does the money do from this campaign? So yeah, this, this so we uh, this money is basically giving us the power to invest in the the ingre- the, um, the production process now. So after this campaign, uh, we've got a few big things lined up with wholesalers, and so just so we're prepared for when they're like, okay, we're ready to tip over into. 200 stores from the 12 we tested at, we'd want to be caught with our pants down. Right. And so this, this money is in our account now to us more quick, quickly um, get the ingredients that we need and this production costs right now. Yeah. Then we'll, we'll, um, now it's how do you keep the momentum? You have this exciting thing we've built up. We've also used this to launch uh, our new brand, new wrappers, new colors. So that's going to be the challenge is, okay, you know, what kind of advertising do you do? What kind of outreach do you do so people aren't just losing you after the the Kickstarter, like moving on to the next product? Right. So that's where we're at with it. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, we've kind of talked about it a little bit. You're definitely playing in a crowded market outside of just unbelievable ingredients. You know, what what do you guys stand back and go, 
this is a competitor. We don't really need to worry about these guys that much. Is there any sort of like formula or any sort of mindset that you're in when you're kind of a, imagining how you looked on a store shelf, you know, at a, let's just say a Whole Foods and, yeah. you know, and, and there's 10 of your product type of vibe, you know, like what do you guys envision for that? We, um, we, we go into the, we go into the stores. We've gone in there with our, with our bars and we've literally shuffled shelves around and put our product up and just kind of like, and you have to visualize it. You yeah. have to go put yourself there. Um, our product where it's going to stand alone is we are not going to be on the aisle getting lost with a lot of the noise, so to speak. Yeah. We will be in the refrigerated area. Um, what's unique about our product is that it's got a longer shelf life than any of our competitors out of the refrigerator. Mm. So we can sell that point. Um, where we do stand out from our competitors is the small batch uh, process that no one else is doing right now. And what that does, the selling point is the, the, the time it takes from sourcing an ingredient to you eating the bar is cut down tremendously. So we, you know, we can guarantee that you're getting the bar that's been made um, in less than two weeks. Wow. And that's faster. They're coming out of the factory right now. And we want to maintain that. So then there's that like, yeah, yeah, every small company says that at first, but at some point there is that opportunity to go big. And that's something that we can't we can't do because we lose our, our entire identity and taste and process. So it needs to stay small yeah. and that's gonna be viable. Yeah, and, and I think I think what's interesting on that market is because you're not relying so much on, you know, wholesale big, you know, a bunch of people out selling it, is that you know, me being in Detroit, I could still go to your website and buy it and have it here in what a day, two days, FedEx it, whatever. You know, um, you know. So it's like I'm still actually a client, even though you're still being regional. You know, hey, if you yeah. if, if you get to me through a Facebook ad, I'm in. You know, right. so you know, I, I got to imagine you're looking at that too, going, you know, we're we're, we're okay. You know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, and then so now it's we talk about building your team, right? So then I I meet you, and you're someone who is an advocate for the what you're putting in your body affecting all areas of your life. Mm -hmm. So if you're on board with that and you understand what we're doing and that bit that that deeper issue, it's like, yeah, there's money to be made, but we're also putting a product out there that people will be healthier from and right. benefit from. So if, you know, you are reaching people from Detroit but all around the country, like that's an avenue for us to use. Yeah. Yeah. Versus having to be on the shelf. So yeah, we're definitely not um, handcuffed to retail, mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. So let's 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 just jump in a little bit to the actual campaign that that uh, is public and I'm looking at right now. So, you know, you've obviously squashed your goal probably fairly quickly, I'm imagining. Um, yeah. You know, you got 23 days more to go. So what was the strategy to make sure that you guys, you know, kicked ass in this campaign? Was, was there a you know, how long did it take? Did you work on something? Was there a major strategy behind the scenes? Are you working with an ad agency? You know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, we did not work with any ad agency, but the strategy was so one, you know, how Kickstarter works is if you don't reach your goal, you don't get any of the donations or any of the pledges. Mm -hmm. So we knew we wanted to err on setting a goal that was attainable. We were blown away by how quickly we were able to attain it and where we're at now. Um, that was a surprise, but we wanted to ensure that we did get the goal and strategy wise for preparing for a Kickstarter is we did reach out to uh, dozens of what we believe to be uh, influencers. So we would go on to different social media ch uh, channels and contact them directly, phone calls, emails, text messages, and 
um, asked them just to try our product, right? Versus the pitch right away. It was like, hey, you know, we'd love to get your feedback. We're a lean company. We'd send them the product, stay in touch, get their endorsement, and then have their commitment to um, spread the word yeah. about the Kitchener campaign and share it with their community. So we are also spreading that out. Um, the, the first phase was just you hit your fans, your network, your friends and family, and then we're going to extend ourselves in these, this middle two, three-week phase to people who may not know us as much, but we've been working on building a relationship. That's cool. Did, uh, did you start with like a, a, a mailing list or did you have a sign-up for any of these people? Or Ma- did- yeah, mailing list. Yeah, so for the last two years, we've been hustling at least twice a month, um, sometimes more at different events, expos, um, table demos. And you just meet people, you collect their information, and you want to be polite and kind about how you are hitting them um, mm-hmm. with false emails. Um, you see where people get you too much and it's white noise, you lose touch. Yeah. So every time we hit them, it was, you know, here's a big discount, give us a shot, right? This is the early stage. Yeah. We want to make this a good experience for you. And then now it's time for us to really launch a big thing and we've got this big email list to fall back on. And did you find that, that you had a, a strong conversion rate from that so far? I mean, does, the, does your uh, Kickstarter dashboard show like, Hey, our mailing list was was crucial to where we are right now. The it, it, not directly, but if we needed to, we could go through and pick the names from the mailing yeah. list. I will say, you know, so we are early; we're still um, small potatoes. But uh, I believe the average conversion rate is three percent from a mailing list, and we're at about twenty-two to twenty-five percent. Yeah, that's not that's great. That's great. You know, that's but it's tell, that tells me, right? well, it's yeah. me but you, it, it tells me that you curated though the right people. You don't just have anybody on your list you know Not the point. you've got yeah. you've got the, you've got people on there that that truly are probably brand ambassadors or brand supporters for you so that's great that's right. awesome you know so i guess and then did, how about you know social media wise um you know still being a young company are you leaning on that facebook ads google adwords yeah. is there any sort of strategy behind those great we are also yeah so um just this week so yesterday uh, we launched last week just yesterday we started investing in social media ads mm-hmm. to reach the uh, large audience and that's Facebook, uh, particularly, yeah. or, or Twitter, or anything Facebook, like that. Uh, Facebook and Google. Fa- oh, cool! Like a Google AdWords type of vibe. Was there any like? Mm-hmm. Did you stand back and and you know, I'm, did you know? Was there a strategy behind it, or are you just let, let's just see what happens here? Or did you research anything, or did you make three or four ads, or any any sort of like specifics without getting into too much detail on it? Yeah. Um, no. So I guess the specifics were um, we have two videos and. We have two photos that we wanted to resonate consistency mm-hmm. with our audience. So we've shuffled those around a bit, um, but didn't want to do too much, and just still still collecting data. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I think you guys have a you guys have a great that that, that I mean it's kind of I guess it would be called your tagline of the you know you, you can pronounce all the uh, ingredients in yours right like. Yeah. <laughs> no weird stuff. Right. Yeah, no weird stuff. That's a great tagline for. Uh, uh, that I'm imagining that you're probably using in some of these ads that will definitely resonate with people. Yeah. Uh, so eat mighty and no weird stuff. Those are two kind of like cute, fun things to, to play with. And a lot of our competitors don't have a mascot and we just, we love the mammoth. It came from the letter M and we wanted this kind of, you know, past paleolithic creature without directly calling our bar or pigeonholing us as a paleo bar. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. I already told oh. you, man, I, I, I guarantee you if I show show my son, he's going to be like, I'll, I'll eat that. That's it. That's as far as it goes for him, you know. And sometimes it might be that simple, right? Like right. it might be. Um, so so I noticed that, you know, 
you probably have a fairly large risk in terms of supply because of your business model. You know, what what do you do to, can you do anything, I guess, to, uh, you know, mitigate the risk or, you know, I don't know, we, they, we can't get the almond anymore. How do you, you know, prepare for that in your, in your business? Right. Um, you're right. There is a risk there. And so the exciting part is we know we are in front of a movement because there are not a lot of options when it comes to these certified organic sprouted nuts. It's a very specific item to find at a nut farm. Yeah. Um, you just you make 15 phone calls a day. You find at least three or four uh, producers of each of your ingredients, and you have your primary and you have your secondary. And so you have them both um, in available because you're right. And we've, and we've experienced that before where one of our suppliers is unavailable or doesn't have the product. And that was the first kind of like, oh, shit moment. Yeah. And we, we need to go find that backup, that secondary. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. So are you? So what's next? You know, you've got obviously this funding coming in, and this is definitely, you're, you're not at the end. You know, so you, you, you know, you're going to see a, a good chunk of money come in. You're going to hit your goal. What do you see next? Do you see a new product coming end of this year, next year? Do you see us doing another Kickstarter as soon as possible? Do you see focusing just on this product alone? What, what do you guys see? The focus is going to be on this product alone. We know we have a lot of, of um, growth here, and we want to push that through. Um, big picture, though, we do have um, other products in line that I would hate to talk about now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, don't. Uh, yeah, we don't need that. But, don't need so that. So we have a few items under the All Things um, or, or ATP All Things Paleo um, company that will uh, play off of Mammoth Bar really well. So we're excited about that. But we don't want to. Last thing we want to do is grow too fast. We yeah. want to stick to our, our core items and ride that and push that as long as we can. Yeah, that's great. So it looks like too that I mean there, there was a packaging change, right? That was a big. Was that a big change from you guys? Was there like it went from like a clear to this the more colorful ones that I'm seeing now? Is that correct? Yeah. Have you seen the old packaging? I do some on the website. I think I saw, yeah I was on a website and I saw it and I I, I gotta tell you the, you know whoever wherever the change came from like these these bars they do stand out to my eye you know just you know uh, I, I love the color schemes it's just the design of everything really is cohesive and and if that's you guys in house you guys are doing an awesome job of that. You know, from my opinion here in Detroit, man, it's just really great looking. So I appreciate it, man. I think there's, a, you know, again, there's a lot of bars that are trying to hit you with like these, you know, uh, colorful, pow, yeah. 15, you know, grams of this and right. all these, too much going on. So we wanted to really simplify things. So solid colors, natural colors, leaves changing, uh, but just get to the point. Here's the product. Here's what's in it. And you can even see the product. We wanted to get a window in there. The window is small, by the way. Um, you can't have too much light exposure to raw products. So that's one thing to keep in mind as a mm. consumer when yeah, things are totally wide open. But we work with a team called Olio, O-L-I-O, out of Berkeley, this uh, two-woman uh, troupe, and they were so uh, thoughtful and available. We talked to them every day, and we had a clear idea of what we wanted, but they brought it to life. That's and awesome. you, you have no idea what it's going to be like until you're holding it in your hands. And I'll also say the the process of making a product it's it's hilarious down to the font size mm -hmm. and you know there's nine different versions of one color and things you have to decide on it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah I have I have been in those conversations where you're, okay. you, they just get so like really I you know at some point you're like I cannot tell between the two fonts anymore yeah. <laughs> I don't know pick one. 
you know. But the people that do do this for a living, man, they, yeah. there is a skill set to to like editing themselves or just maybe it's just editing in general, you know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when I look at these things, they just look so clean and crisp. I mean, it's it, it's intriguing how how much your simplicity is approaching not only the food, but the way the uh, the packaging looks all the way into the way the Kickstarter has been built on years of mailing lists and a lot of bootstrap and, and not a lot of, you know, we paid a whole bunch of people, we threw, you know, a very, it's like there's almost like this organic line through the entire process so far, you know. You said it better than I ever could. <laughs> well, that's good. That's exactly that's good. right. That's what we're trying to do. You know, it's like on all fronts, you're able to get a sense of what we're about, you know, just keeping everything as simple as possible. Yeah. So, you know, so where you are right now, I, is there some stretch goals that you're planning on announcing or, or launching here soon? Or are you guys just going to kind of ride this out and just kind of get, get it more influencers and start to just expand the network a little bit? What's your guys' strategy now being yeah. 23 days to go? We will. Yeah, we have a lot of time and we will, we are planning on announcing some stretch goals and we have reached our goal financially and, um, we understand we will get more pledges, but we, the focus for us is backers. I mean, our next stretch is 500 backers. We have, some rewards lined up for um, people who have pledged and for future pledgers. It's like, should we reach this next number? You know, we're going to be sending out uh, free product to everyone who's pledged. That's and cool. so um, those numbers will come out soon. So continue to follow us and you'll get that information. That's awesome. Well, Anthony, I took up some of your time. I, I, I learned a ton about your, your product and uh, your mammoth bars. These are awesome. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time and, uh, and talking about your campaign. Hey, thank you for your time, Jeff. Um, uh, I'm a fan. I'm going to follow the show, and awesome. I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to hearing more about these good conversations. Great. Awesome. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I will talk to you later. All right, Jeff. Thank All you. Right. Yeah, bye. Whatever it is, boy, you're going to take me there. I'm willing to give you only what I want to share. So just sit there and